Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamu alaikum wa May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to Voice of Islam Radio Station. If you're tuning in, welcome to the Drive Time Show here on Voice of Islam Radio Station. As you know, from Monday to Friday, 4 to 6 p.m., we bring you two topics live here uh, from London studios. And uh, today is no exception. We also have two topics for you. But before we go to that, let me just introduce uh, the uh, the presenters here uh, with you. So with myself, Safir, we have Fahim. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Uh, and we also have Usman uh, with us. Assalamu alaikum, Usman. Wa alaikum assalam. So if you just come closer to the mic a little bit, so our listeners can hear your beautiful voice. Wa alaikum assalam. Wa alaikum assalam. Thank you very much. So we have uh, two sunny topics day. today. Yeah, sunny day and uh, three in the studio. So we should have a good discussion today. I know. I'm excited. See how it goes. How's how's your experience been so far? Because you were one of our new presenters coming in now to Voice of Islam. It's been good. A bit nerve-wracking, but you know, I've been helped along by the colleagues. So yeah, it's a good experience so far. That's brilliant. So. Um, Look, we have uh, two hours. So in the first hour, we have one topic, and in the second hour, we have the other topic. So the first topic we're going to talk about, Fahim, uh, would you like to you know, introduce that to our listeners today? Sure. We're going to be talking about the NHS, but we're not talking about strikes. We're not talking about uh, health care. We are actually specifically talking about whether AI can help reduce the burden. So that is our first topic for today. NHS and AI. So, yeah, of course, this AI um, has, you know, artificial intelligence we know has uh, revolu- revolutionized and really changed the way, um, you know, we go about our lives. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm sure many people are still catching up. We're still catching up as yeah. well. There's so much uh, to catch up on. Uh, but we have seen how beneficial AI can be. And Fahim, you have a keen <laughs> interest in AI yeah. as well. I think that... Um, you know, listeners may think, why are we always talking about AI? Why do I keep hearing this word? The the reason is is because it is actually impacting our lives. And it's been impacting our lives for quite a while. Mm. Maybe maybe without us noticing. 100%. Yeah. And like, you know, keen gamers would have experienced AI so many times before. We just didn't know that, like, you know, the game that you're playing against is based on AI. Um, you know, apps that you use, phones that you use. These are all things that... Um, is using artificial intelligence. What it is now is that, especially with the rise uh, or the launch of ChatGPT, is it's given people uh, an accessible way to access AI um, it, on such a large uh, mm. scale. And now with the, such a great uptake from the um, from people with it, it now needs to be adapted into different businesses. In, and, you know, there's so many... We, we've talked about it on previous show where there's um, so many advantages 
but uh, in a nutshell what AI does is it takes a lot of data it, it analyzes the data at a very fast um, speed uh, and then uses that to make predictions mm. so that's where the, the, the models that are trained based on data uh, that's that's what it is and what we're going to be discussing today is uh, or in the first hour is uh, you know the NHS challenge uh, you know with all of the complex changes and, and the rise in healthcare costs how is it that AI is going to mm. impact that and make things because yeah. you know AI you might automatically think oh it's really expensive but actually it could save money and mm. um, be because um, machine machine learning is, is quicker than human learning yeah okay um, Usman is there a verse of the Holy Quran that per- perhaps we can start it? I mean, if if you if you can read it out, maybe it can guide us uh, towards uh, towards our conversation. Yep. So in chapter fifty-seven, verse two to four, in the Holy Quran, God Almighty states, "Whatever is in the heavens and the earth glorifies Allah, and He is the Mighty, the Wise. He is the Kingdom of the heavens and the earth. He gives life and He causes death, and He has power over all things. He is the first and the last." and the manifest and the hidden and he has full knowledge of things right now this verse of the holy quran talks about allah the almighty um, you know owning basically or is the one who is behind everything he is the one who's created everything his is the kingdom uh, of the heavens and the earth he is the one who gives life and he causes death so, so we know that life and death is all part of our human existence yeah and there is no escaping death as well. Um, however, we understand that Allah the Almighty, it is in His hands ultimately that life lies. Death also is is in His hands. So, yes, when we talk about health, when we talk about life, when we talk about all of this and artificial intelligence, yeah. ultimately Allah the Almighty is the one who knows when to give life to somebody, when to save somebody, when to cause the death of somebody as well. Yeah. So, yes, we take use of prayers, uh, but ultimately this is a very important thing to remember that Allah the Almighty, we, you know, He is the one who is the controller of the universe. And whatever human beings try to do, you know, uh, you cannot cancel the law of nature. You cannot cancel, you cannot, um, how sh- should I say it, you cannot overstep the the law of nature that Allah the Almighty has created. So we as Muslims, we always rely on Allah the Almighty. We always rely on Allah's to pray to Him for for good health for everything. But then also AI and using medical sciences, using the best uh, you know uh, tools that you have at your disposal is. Is that against Islamic teachings, or is it? I'd say that's like tying your camel. Exactly. Yeah. Please elaborate on that. All we can do is just do our bit. I think the story in the Hadith is that you know, um, a, a person just left his camel, and uh, the Holy in Prophet the desert, yeah, in the desert. So the Holy Prophet said to him, you know, uh, that you know, first tie him and yeah. then leave it to God. Yeah. So we have to do our bit first, and then we can leave it to God. So in the same way, we should try and use the best resources we've got and whichever way we can improve the NHS or whichever healthcare systems there are, yeah. I so think they should be utilised. This is, you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head that, you know, we as human beings have been given this capabilities, this this, this special mm. uh, brain by Allah the Almighty that distinguish us from other creatures, other animals. And we are able to 
use that to seek knowledge and Allah Almighty says you know you should go seek knowledge you should try to improve help save lives you know yeah. all of that and we have seen over the time as well from the time of the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings for Allah be upon him different ways they used to you know tend to the people who were ill the prophet mm-hmm. used to say you know you should go and, and look after the ill those who are um, are, are sick it's even a right of a brother it's the right of a of of uh, of a muslim that if that person is sick it is your duty to go and find out how he's doing it's your duty mm-hmm. to go and 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 look after him so this this all inspires you know should inspire muslims should inspire us to go out and seek the best treatments we can find for uh, the diseases and you know islam says uh, as well isn't it there's uh, that there is no allah the almighty has said that there is no disease where which of, of which there is no cure, there there is a cure as well mm. so there is a cure to every disease but we are yet to find it yeah we yeah. are yet to come to that stage that we can say okay now we have found it but we have the ability to find it yeah definitely and i think that ai especially he in this context as well is and and wider as well is just what we've already been doing it's enhancing it it's it's speeding it up and it's enabling us to you know do different things at a at a faster rate and um you know i just want to talk a little bit about that and how artificial in healthcare like involves like the use of ill algorithms and machine learning to analyze medical data mm. it can diagnose conditions it can predict outcomes um and you know it can optimize resource allocation you know when thing when resources are so short and um what better way than to be able to prioritize right yeah. like whenever you know if food was scarce in any way or if money was scarce you would prioritize and yeah. to have something that can look at such a large scale of data yeah. at such a speed and then help with that then yeah. you should adopt I mean right? I I remember obviously when 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 I've been back in the days we've gone to the GP it's been a long time yeah. alhamdulillah by the grace of Allah but when when we used to go to the gp right and and uh, you would see stacks of papers right yeah. there's files and yeah you know yeah. it's like you even think like who's going to go through all of exactly. those papers yeah. but now maybe you have like a system where where you can have everything digitalized and i'm sure i don't know about the nhs but i do know that other european countries have already you know transferred they're already mm-hmm. gone digital yeah. uh, in, in that aspect um and on Scandinavian countries plus i think germany mm. as well there there's a much more efficient system mm. because once you have all the data digitalized it's much easier to go through the history of a patient and finding you know any issues that are related to maybe their history or something like that definitely and it's also pattern finding right that's the best thing mm. that ai is is that it like it can find the pattern so it can be like um a male age 24 um that has respiratory uh, respiratory respiratory um uh, issues like if like uh, it sees 100 uh, or 1000 of them mm. you can see what other things that are that they all share and it can highlight them and use that data to then predict okay maybe this person um at 24 may go through this issue or they're more likely to have this issue mm. because of xyz and they're already using this exactly this system yeah. as well and there's a lot of startups um that are coming up with uh, a lot of different ways that can help with this because you know uh, sometimes you you book an appointment right because you're not sure you mm. you've googled it and basically the internet's told you that you're getting cancer right yeah. like <laughs> that's what always happens whenever you you google something yeah. so 
that fear usually you just want a professional to tell you <coughs> that you're okay right so what ai is starting to be able to do is to re- to help with diagnosis so that people aren't n- unnecessarily booking um appointments yeah. so that you know if s- someone is able to check with an ai that oh, okay yep yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it quite an accuracy it will stop me from booking an appointment and then free up an appointment for uh, someone who really needs it instead mm. of me going to the doctor and then finding out that I'm fine and yeah. I could have just got a prescription that I, would, I needed to go to the pharmacy re- mm. rather than see a doctor. So. But he, here is an interesting question, isn't it? Because mm. I know what you mentioned and of course this is this is brilliant. I mean, we do wish that there was an AI system rather than being on the phone for an hour waiting mm. for, your ch- for your turn to book an appointment. But I think we will talk to our guests as well, but here it w- where it becomes difficult isn't it because a doctor a human being like if us you know we yeah. can look at the face i can look at your face and see yeah. if you're angry or not i can look at your face and see maybe if you're sick or not yeah. does the ai have the ability or will it have the ability maybe yeah. in the future to do the same because sometimes a human to human interaction can really sometimes people even get feel better when they go and see a doctor because the whole thing yeah. that they've gone and seen a doctor it's uh, it's made made them better, but this is a tricky question. I think maybe we can we can have a look at that later Definitely. on. Definitely, well. let's yeah. let's talk about this. But okay, we'll we'll go to our guest for now. Yeah. So zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call. Uh, join us at, uh, in that discussion if you um, have uh, anything to contribute. And in terms of like if you've seen. Um, how AI can be beneficial in the NHS in the medical uh, sector then do give us a call um, if you if you have positive things to say about it if you have negative thoughts then uh, then you can still call and, and discuss those we'll, we'll be happy to hear that side as well but let's go first to um, to our uh, guest our first uh, guest is Maaz Mahmood Malik who is in the final year um, he's a medical student at Brighton and Sussex Medical School Um and he's done a degree in uh, neuroscience, um, and uh, we're going to speak to him about uh, about this. Maz, assalamualaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show here on Voice of Islam. Welcome, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, how are you doing? You right? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, glad the sun came up. Oh, brilliant. Um, so, from your perspective, as uh, as you're about to finish your uh, studies. What are some of the most significant challenges and burdens that you have seen the NHS facing in uh, providing healthcare service? I think we could easily fill the app talking about that. But, um, I'll try to summarize it. Um, I think there are a lot of big issues that the NHS and global healthcare systems around the world face. And probably the biggest one for more developed countries like ours is that of increasing demand for healthcare. And that's largely because, for example, in the, in the UK, we've got um, an aging population. We have a population pyramid which has a beehive shape. And what that means is more and more people are living longer and they need um, increasing amounts of healthcare input as they age. Alongside that, obviously, as they get older, the prevalence of chronic diseases like uh, diabetes, hypertension, uh, obesity increases. Um, so whilst the funding has been going up in line with inflation over years, 
the problem is that it's not been going up in proportionate to the increase in demand. So, so that's our number one problem, I would say. Um, alongside that, obviously nowadays it's very topical. Uh, we should we should definitely be talking about strikes and staffing shortages, and those are you know tell us about well, a direct result of that is an increase in the waiting list across the country. But all of that is associated with you know high levels of burnout, record levels of dropout among staff, um, more and more people going full-time to less than full-time, and um, just general problems with the labor market, even in, in from a medic's perspective, in the, uh, in the locum market, there, there's, it's now becoming more and more saturated as doctors are leaving full-time work and taking on more um, ad hoc work. I, I'm just um, going to uh, follow up on yeah. that because I think you mentioned a very important point here about the uh, you know, underfunding of the NHS plus the struggles plus the exhaustion of uh, staff, doctors. Is that something that concerns you? Because obviously you're in your final year or years now and you're uh, about to go into the field. Um, do you feel do you feel anxious that this is the work environment that you would have to now deal with? Absolutely. And it's not just... There was recently an article from the that said that one in three UK medicals are planning to leave um, after qualifying. Yeah, Maaz, your line is... It, it did get better, didn't it? But yeah. it's gone bad again. Um, if it's possible, could, could you perhaps uh, maybe try another location or uh, maybe see if the signal is better somewhere else? We will try to call you back uh, to to get a better line because we can't make out what you're saying. So um, our staff is going to try to, to, to reconnect to you but until then, I think we can carry on with that point um, yeah. because that's something that we have talked about over the months and years now about how the NHS is struggling, how the doctors are striking because uh, they have to work, um, you know, long hours. And I'm, I'm sure they, they're doing that passionately. They're passionate about their work. But it's 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 a limit, right, for everyone to... to and not being paid fairly yeah. is not really acceptable if you're doing that kind of stressful work definitely i think that um you know you would you want someone who is overworked and burnt out driving the car that you're sitting in right like it, well, of course you, you wouldn't right yeah. so i think that we need to make sure that we are helping medical professionals because they are dealing with a lot of important work and at the end of the day if it was your surgery if it was your child if it was whatever you you would want them to be at their best and at the end of the day because of the lack of resources and because of the lack of funding well, they're struggling right and i think that burnout for me i think across industries is, is a big problem at the moment but you know the one area and, and industry you really don't want it to be impacting is healthcare right mm, and so the sad thing is that that is not the priority of uh, spending, you know, uh, when it comes to the priorities of, of of our authorities, governments. We need to really have a long, hard look at that. I think people have criticized and for right reasons. You know, this is, this is something that you know, the NHS has been underfunded for many, many years, which mm. obviously then will come to a point when we will. This is why we see it, because mm. it's not like it happened in 2023. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It's been happening for years. That's why we see the gradual and now it's we're seeing it crumbling in that way so so yeah maybe ai is the solution but even for ai as as you mentioned for him initially you will have to make some kind of you know 
uh, you will have to put resources in, you will have yeah. to have the best systems in place, uh, and you will have to, you know, inject some kind of, you know, uh, money into it hmm. first to then save you money in the long term. Definitely, I think you you, you need to invest, mm. right? You, at the end of the day, right, like what's the point of having um, a large army or large educational resources if people don't have health, mm. right? Like, I feel like we we can often get so stuck in, and this is the beauty of Islam that it reminds you of, of what's important, is that you can get so stuck in worldly gains and, and material possessions that you forget about, you know, having health, being able to breathe, yeah. being able to walk, um, you know, situations that are happening in the world today. Where, where people have, governments have monies, lots of money, billions to yep. spend on war, uh, wars and conflicts, but they don't have money for their own people, for, exactly. for their own health, uh, you know, systems. Let's go back to Maz. I think we have him now on the line again. Hopefully the line will be better. Asalaamu Alaikum, Maaz. Wa Alaikum Asalaam. Sorry for dropping out. Yeah, no, now it's, it's really good. So uh, thank you. Um, so, how familiar are you with the current applications of artificial intelligence in healthcare? How is artificial intelligence AI being used? Have you come across any AI-based tools or technologies during your, uh, you know, studies? And I'm, I'm sure you've done some practical stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. So, AI in healthcare is definitely in its infancy. Um, so, it's everything that I have seen and that's out there is is very early stage. But um, in terms of it within healthcare, um, there's a big application for, for AI within diagnostic imaging. So that's looking at medical images like chest x-ray, MRIs, CT, even pathology slides. Uh, because essentially that is just about pattern recognition and detecting abnormalities, which an AI program could do really, really well. So I met one of the pathologists at Sussex who uh, was working on a research project where they were using AI live. So within that, they would receive samples of um, potential tumors from surgery direct during the time of the surgery, analyze them using AI, and then report that back to the surgeons. And, uh, and depending on that, um, the next treatment steps would be determined. There's massive scope for AI in drug discovery and development. There's already uh, computer models of drug targets that can predict what medicines will and how they will interact with different diseases. There's a big application of that in neuroscience particularly. Uh, we already use AI in personalized medicine. So personalized medicine is about using big data to figure out which drugs will work better for what groups. So for example, we use different drugs for the treatment of high blood pressure in people from Afro-Caribbean backgrounds because we know they work better in that. Uh, certain drugs will work, work better for certain ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. um, Robot-assisted surgeries is something that's pretty hip at the minute, and I think a lot of people have seen it on the news. Besides that, there's also all kinds of wearable technology that we, we all come across, even on our iPhones and iWatches and things that are directly related to healthcare. Um, but I think some people, delving into that a little bit more, uh, we talk a lot about mental health nowadays. There are now apps that will give you uh, the opportunity to like talk about your concerns or in the feelings people sometimes have very dark thoughts and they will have algorithms that will provide and signpost the appropriate type of support in response so that's also very very good especially when we have a massive shortage um, of uh, uh, mental health care practitioners in terms of my medical education again we haven't really seen too much yet but I think we will see a lot more 
in the future. Already there are like virtual reality and augmented reality um, simulated clinical cases where you where you know where that like a VR headset and you, you're almost in in a hospital setting and you get to see uh, dummy patients. So that's that's really exciting. And um, people, this one thing that medical students already use are personalized learning tools from AI. So that'll be things like the Anki app, which me if any medics are listening, they'll be very, very familiar with, and question banks, which help you identify your strengths and weaknesses and help medics, uh, especially in like recalling facts and uh, repeating things that you, you might not have answered so well on. Um, the other thing I just want to mention in terms of med school and AI is that there's now platforms where you can learn collaboratively. A lot of our work uh, as medical students is just trying to get used to um, examining patients, taking their histories, and now there are collaborative tools online where you can sign up um, and get in touch virtually with other medical students uh, and go through cases like that. So those are just some of the examples of within healthcare and within medicine um, that are that are in use now. No, that's that's, that's really interesting. And um, so, as someone who's preparing to enter the healthcare profession, um, how are you expecting or, or, or foreseeing um, the role of AI in the future of the NHS? I know you said that it's early days, but um, what are you thinking? Is 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 the future of the NHS uh, going to look like with, with AI? I think AI is going to have a really critical role in improving the, the administrative efficiency of the NHS. So specifically around scheduling, billing, uh, the organisation of medical notes. Um, so for example, currently, I think one of you guys mentioned at the start of the show that you know they, they've seen these big paper notes and yeah. things are more electronic now. But even within the electronic system, sometimes there's absolutely no communication between different trusts. So if you come from, let's say, Manchester and you've moved to London, mm. that your doctor in London might not have, in hospital, might not have any access to what's happened to you before. So I think AI will be really, really good in making making this kind of stuff. Uh, streamlined and allowing uh, better communication and integration of care um, in the NHS. I think one big advantage of having a public health system is that we can collect loads and loads of data on um, people's healthcare outcomes and how different drugs are working, etc. And I think data the data analysis side of it, which again one of you talked about with AI, will come in really handy in telling us and what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Mm. Um, and, and yes, yeah, so as I talked about before with the administrative efficiency stuff, there's, there's lots of problems with patient um, engagement with the healthcare service and loads of people that the current statistics for adherence to medications are quite poor. So I think AI will definitely, um, through apps and things like that, will have a role in improving that. Do you think so that, said that I think there's definitely dangers that we should also talk about? Yeah, well. I was just going to come over to that. that Okay, you know, we can say on one side the AI might even reduce mistakes mm. because doctors, you know, overworked, maybe stressed, you, you're more likely to make mistakes. And doctors do make mistakes, they're humans, right? Yeah. But when you put AI into it, when you've fed it all the information that it needs, it, 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 it makes sense, you know, that it, it might make less mistakes or very little mistake. But 
what are the disadvantages, uh, things that people might not understand or see yet? I think it's interesting you talk about accuracy um, because I, I would tend to slightly disagree with you just because even though you know we can teach lo- loads of things to AI about medicine and different conditions, the reality is that in clinical medicine, the same condition can present in very, very different ways in two different people. And many diseases do not present exactly how we would um, expect them to. Mm. So in reality, I think at the minute with how AI is, uh, there, there, would, there would be loads of medical errors if it was implemented within clinical practice, just because how it is in the textbooks or how it is in our research is not really how things are in real life. The mm. other thing is that when we develop AI algorithms, they learn from historical data. If there are biases in that historical data and inaccuracies from our mistakes, then the AI is just going to perpetuate those biases in in its algorithms. Um, Loads of people worry also about data security and privacy and and all of that data falling into, you know, quote-unquote, the wrong hands. There's always cybersecurity threats when it comes to stuff like this, and that's that's definitely something with a lot of merit. And... Mm. um, as you said before, I won't dwell on it too much. There is definitely that lack of human touch. And time and time and again, loads of studies show us that um, the, the therapeutic element of an empathetic interaction with a healthcare professional is sometimes as useful as the medicine that they prescribe. prescribe. So I think that might be very difficult to convey with um, only AI. And just to just one more point that I had in my mind, uh, which I think is quite interesting, is that um, there's, there's some debate about if you get AI to carry out complex healthcare uh, procedures and tasks, who legally takes the responsibility for that AI? Because if you go to a doctor and they make a mistake or there's a misdiagnosis that, you know, especially in, in countries where um, litigation is a big part of healthcare, who, who do you blame in, in the case of AI. But yeah, I think that's just some of the points that I've got to make on that. So we can we can say that uh, we, we cannot fully rely on the robotics yet. So we're going to need uh, doctors like Mars for, for a few years yet. Huh? <laughs> You're not out of job yet, huh? inshallah. Yeah, I'm really trying my best to defend uh, our profession. <laughs> Okay, brilliant. Well, Jazakallah, thank you very much for your time and all the best uh, with the rest of your, um, you know, uh, studies and then your career, inshallah. May Allah bless it and may you be able to save many, many lives, inshallah. Jazakallah. Thank you very much. Interesting discussion, isn't it? There's so much, so much to to learn and so much uh, potential as well of AI in in medicine. Yeah, I really liked about... um, his point where he discussed that if there's biases or inaccuracies in the data that is being ingested by the models, then it's just going to perpetuate them. Mm. So I think that that's really, yeah, it's that's and you know, thought, right? Like, because I was thinking that on that point exactly, I was thinking like, what if there is a mistake, mm. right, that happens because of this um, wrong patterns drawn by the yeah. AI. And you know, unfortunately, if somebody it results in somebody dying, it's it's going to be big news because a doctor could have 
maybe checked it or a human might have predicted or been able to pick up on something. So I think in this stage, the AI is, um, and obviously I'm not medical expert or AI expert yeah. at all, but I'm saying that it makes sense for doctors or uh, senior you know, st- staff in whatever department AI is being used that they double check it. Yeah, but I, but I think that that it's going to. I think that's what's always going to be there because even models that very rarely are hundred percent accurate, right? Mm. There's like I think um, one AI startup I was looking at. They were saying that they have a ninety five percent accuracy rate. So I don't think they're designed they're ever to replace. Be 100%, yeah, yeah, I don't think they're designed to replace. Mm. I think they're designed to assist. Yeah. So it's to increase speed and scale, right? So I think that that's where you can really find the difference where it's like um, the AI would have done the grunt work, so to speak, looked at the patient's history and given a suggestion. Mm. It's still up to the doctor or the healthcare professional to then make their own assessment, but has data. Now, going back to biases, what if that data biases the the doctor's opinion? Because as as Mars um, said, um, you know, you 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 may like uh, illnesses can present themselves in different ways in different people, and I think that that's really key um, because if you think about that for a second, that okay, you've trained a model on okay, this is what happens when this type of illness happens in this type of person, but it happens completely different in like. Because there's one in a million, there's one in a billion, like, um, you know, viruses that impact people in so many different ways. So I think that that is where it gets really tricky. And I think that, but it's early stages and it's all being tested and it's all something. Please don't worry about turning up to uh, the A&E and a robot uh, or Alexa, you having to go Alexa, Siri and saying, hey, uh, is there something wrong with me? So <laughs> don't worry just yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's really interesting to think about. And I think that there's a lot of research being done and there's a lot of discussions to be had. And I- I'm glad we're having this discussion today. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I do think in terms of, you know, administrative administrative side, that could really be utilised because yeah. yeah. I think uh, as Marsab actually alluded to if you move from Manchester to for example down to London you might lose your records yeah. I've actually experienced something similar and it was literally between two GPs in London was it? Oh, wow. so <laughs> I know exactly where he's coming from and I think in the administrati- administrative side I think that's something we can yeah. utilise yeah. yeah and it's just the, the other s- uh, system of like manually uh, you know uh, transferring data, transferring information of a patient to another clinic is just so old dated and it's so slow. And there's no space in London yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> there's no space in London. There's, <laughs> so you can't find any more corners to put more papers filing in. Filing cabinets, yeah. They're going to yeah. have to uh, build some more flats just to keep <laughs> filing cabinets. I think they've moved on now with the <laughs> NHS app is quite useful now. Yeah. Because I've got my, for example, any history or, you know, if you want to find out when you took whichever vaccine or whatnot, it's yeah. all there for you. Yeah, I liked it as well yeah. because... Uh, Blood okay. tests as well, right? Yeah, yeah, you can yeah see. there was there was a lot of opposition to it when they came in. Uh, people saying it was not working properly. Yeah, of course, things take time. But yeah. you have the information now on apps, yes. everything. Like, AI is already in here, isn't it, in our phones. We, yeah. we, we get updates about our health. You know, have you yeah. done 10,000 steps? You haven't done it yet. Yeah. yeah, things like that, how much sleep you're getting. All of those things are, are there anyway. So if they're being used, obviously with your consent, to track your health, it may even, you know, tell you, uh, 
yeah. you know, warn you about bad habits that can lead to some kind of, you know, health implications. Well, I think it's just the mindfulness as well mm. of it, right? Like just the fact that, you know, I think that look back, I don't know, maybe f- 10, 12 years ago, how many people were worrying about how many steps they were taking in a day? Mm. Right, like p- people, like, you're not really thinking about that, like before these trackers. Exactly. And I think that it's it's a great thing to have. To and motivate. I think that yeah. It's this awareness that we can get so caught up in this world, and mm. I think that that's where uh, spirituality and Islam uh, really reminds me to, you know, just take a step back from you know the day to day. You can get so with the with the list of things that you got to do for work, for family, for community, you end up like you can just forget about your health so easily yeah. and i think that that's that's something that you know islam always gives you that moment in the day you know to pray and to take that time to yeah. reflect uh, and yeah and that's where i want to talk to to uh, to, uh, to to you as well uh, usman about that allah the almighty has said in the holy quran that we have the capabilities to improve um, our lives as well as the lives of, of people around us with the God-gifted, uh, you know, um, abilities that Allah the Almighty has given us. You know, we, we read in the Holy Quran that whatever Allah has given you, use that, utilize that wealth to improve, you know, um, in every aspect of yourselves and for people. Give to people, you know, uh, take care of other people, you know, uh, when people are sick, you should go and, 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 you know, fulfill the rights of mankind, which is basically, uh, you know, what the Holy Quran is is, is uh, full of, you know, the rights of Allah, rights of mankind. So what more guides us in, in this way that how we can use different means to improve the lives of, of people and to serve mankind? So, you know, in the Holy Quran, God says that, you know, we have shown him the way, whether he be grateful or ungrateful. Mm. You know, the, Quran, the Quran basically encourages all believers to think, reflect, and just observe um, anything that can be done. And um, then there's the knowledge that man can acquire through learning and experience, using his intellect and reason, which is, again, given by God. So once these things are utilized, it's like the pedestal's there. So once you make the effort, um, then God, you know, blesses it. Yeah. But it's like we have to make the effort. We have to try, and then the fruits will be b- born from yeah. there. And I remember reading, uh, you know, when you read the books of the Prophet Sallallahu as well, pro- the the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, he's elaborated on this as well mm. of the of the uh, you know the aspect of Wahi as well, the revelation, how Allah the Almighty, you know, gives r- there are different types of revelation. Obviously, there are revelations uh, of the highest standard comes to the prophets, you know, where they yeah. bring new teachings and uh, guidance for mankind then then there are also lower levels of uh, vahi revelation that Allah the Almighty has given to for example the bee you know the bees honey honeybee hmm. Allah the Almighty said Allah Ta'ala gave revelation or guided is guided the this you know the bee through revelation to go and uh, you know uh, gather the nectar from from flowers and plants and then yeah. produce the shahad, the, the the honey, uh, asl in Arabic, right? Yeah. So that honey, which uh, in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty has mentioned, it's is the shifaul in nas. That it's it's a cure for mankind. There's so many cures in that. So this kind of revelation as well, you know, when Allah the Almighty, uh, you know, ha- has a system of this kind of revelation that He puts into people who who are s- genuinely searching for. Um, 
for cure to diseases or for in in uh, in invention or innovations that will genuinely help mankind as well so that is all inspired by allah the almighty because he's the one who guides mankind he's the one who inspires and enlightens people as well and um uh, uh, yeah that was uh, something else in my mind which which kind of slipped i was going to talk about but but yeah this is this is a way that allah the almighty yeah uh, in the holy quran allah the almighty says that he's created mankind as ashraful makhluqat the best of the creation mm. so we can be the best of the creation and we should be if we use those capabilities and those that power that allah the almighty mm. has given us uh, in our brain uh, for the best possible way but if you obviously use it negatively you can also be the worst of the creation i think that links into you know we have shown him the way yeah so it's like the way is there we just need to find it we just need to make the effort we need to you know go on that journey yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um fahim shall we look a little bit on the benefits of ai in reducing the nhs burden we we have talked about uh, quite a few things but maybe we if we can just visit the uh, the the matter of uh, doctor strikes and uh, yeah I, I was going to say yeah i think that um what what we can take from ai uh can actually impact some of the grieve help us address some of the grievances that lead to these doctor strikes um or healthcare professionals um because the the predictive analytics that um can actually help identify areas w- where these staffing shortages are and reallocate those resources accordingly i think that that is probably such a major impact of of these strikes um that could be addressed by this like use of data uh, data analytics and artificial intelligence um and then also improving the efficiency through ai uh, can also potentially reduce the workload and stress on these healthcare professionals addressing some of those concerns so just i think that we can't underestimate its benefits i think that yes we should be cautious yes there are potential issues but um there are definitely uh benefits which you know especially in the in the context of the doctor strikes i think it can relieve some burdens mm. that um the people who are striking feel Yeah. I think some of the challenges that we might have obviously is that we uh, talked about the threat of of hacking and losing uh, information that information yeah. or using bad information. In, yes, yeah. yes, going into the wrong hands. Uh privacy concerns ensuring the protection of of uh, patient data that that's been an issue I think uh, a few years ago wasn't it there was a huge uh, NHS uh, breach as yeah. well. Um and then also a need to train healthcare professionals in the ai technologies is obviously is going to take some time and ensure that the systems are transparent and unbiased um, then there are also ethical considerations such as the potential for ai to replace human roles in healthcare uh, must also be carefully managed we also talked about that do you think this might be sort of covering over the cracks what we really should be maybe looking at and again it might be devil's advocate but maybe we should looking at the cause of why we have you know a lack of doctors and all of that i know that would be a slightly different topic but maybe no 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 i think a it's very, it's a very good point that you mentioned we we must not forget that you know uh, there's the, some valid the, the, issues yeah. when we have yeah. money to fund all of these programs course, we have yeah. money to uh, research robotics when we have money for uh creating things just for the experimental yeah. uh side of things when we have money for 
uh, every single war that is happening in the world, but we don't have money <laughs> to to fund our healthcare. Yeah. When we don't have, we cannot, uh, you know, uh, fulfill the legitimate demands yeah. of our doctors and nurses in this country. Then and and we cannot uh, we can find every every kind of excuse for not building the hospitals that we promised to to build yeah. in this country. Uh, the problem is not the AI, right? Yeah. I mean, AI is not the solution it's there. It's not the solution. The solution yeah. is that you should we should focus on 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 the need of the people. Get well, to the, the core. Yeah. yeah, it was the duty to mankind, right? Yeah. Like I think that you can, like like you said, just paper over the cracks, and uh, that that's just not the the way it should be done. We can't just say that AI is the solution. And um, we need to make sure that we are addressing the concerns of people mm. who are genuinely, genuinely making us better um, on a daily basis, right? Which, with without, we could not survive. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think it's a bit ironic to, yeah. to to even think that that's the case. And this this well. ethical argument is a very good one as mm. well because you know, with some other companies, and obviously we don't going to name uh, companies here, but they're big companies, right? And they have started to introduce a lot of uh, AI and robotics in, and and on the other side, you know, their their workers in in warehouses, for example, not being paid fairly. That their their yeah. rights are not being fulfilled. So these things, are, you know, it doesn't mean that you just forget that there are people who actually need work. Try to bring people on. Try to educate people into the AI so they can actually be more helpful and have something. We don't want. The last thing we want is that AI takes over everything and people don't have jobs, yeah. you know, sitting yeah. at home. I think another thing that happens is once you get more ease and luxury, mm. we sort of, our skills will begin to sort of deteriorate. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's another thing that we, you know, we need to look at because, for example, even if you take the example of driving a car, yeah. you know, when you have no cameras or anything, it's, it's like you, you learn to park with perfection, you know, you need yeah. to park in a tight spot, especially in London. Yeah. But as soon as you know, you start getting the reverse cameras and the front sensors and it just becomes yeah. easy. And then when you go back to a normal car, you're like, oh, how did I do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I agree. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, I think that there's, um, there's a lot of uh, challenges and concerns with, with this. You know, it's not like you said, we're not trying to say that this is just the solution. And um, knowledge is power. And uh, man can rule forces of nature through knowledge. But as a matter of fact, the whole universe has been created to serve man, uh, as mentioned in the Holy Quran in ch uh, chapter 45, verse 13 and 14, uh, where the Holy Quran states, um, Allah is he who has subjected the sea to you and that ships may sail thereon by his command and that you may seek his bounty and that you may be grateful. And he has subjected to you whatsoever is in the heavens and whatsoever is in the earth all of the, all of this is from him in that surely are signs for people who reflect um so the integration of ai into healthcare requires addressing these privacy concerns that we've talked about and, and ensuring the security of patient data because um it's it's just important to make sure that we're addressing these challenges mm. right i think it would be great to have a Dr. Tariq Bajwa here as well, actually. He has <laughs> lots of experience yes. as a presenter yesterday, but it would, it would have been great to talk to him as well about his mm. view on this. However, we have uh, with us another medical student from King's College London, Malik Takreem, joining us. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Uh, welcome to the Drive Time Show here on Voice of Islam, uh, Takreem. Welcome, Salam uh, alaikum for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. 
you're, you're welcome. Thank you very much. You're also serving as the MDM Muslim Student Association um, in, in the MDM Muslim Youth Association as well. Just wanted to mention that. Um, so, um, Takrim, how, how do you see the role of AI in the future of healthcare? I mean, we talked a lot about the different ways the AI are, is, is assisting and helping improve things within the NHS. But um, any any specific uh, observations from, from your part? Well, I think the role of AI is, is quite vast. You know, we can go on. And I'm, mm. You mentioned quite a few aspects already. Yeah. But specifically in healthcare, we're seeing quite a big emphasis on this. Mm. In my opinion, it's due to a couple of factors. Main thing is that the role of doctors, for example, as healthcare practitioners and healthcare leaders, for example, has been kind of diminishing uh, over the last few years. We've seen the restriction of physician associates. Uh, we've seen other healthcare professionals having their roles expanded, and slowly the, the role of a doctor has has you know reduced from being the primary manager and kind of leader on a patient's care to just being kind of isolated diagnostic and kind of treatment management uh, areas. And so there is a discourse certainly around the area of how AI can help kind of uh, further kind of not diminish but uh, reduce slightly the role of a doctor and kind of highly specialize their role within the NHS system, rather than, you know, having the managers and leaders of, of cases per se. And so the role of AI, especially the, the fact of AI in the diagnosing mm-hmm. and kind of uh, managing the treatment uh, of patients uh, is being pushed in that direction. And secondly, we see the use of AI and especially large language models, LLMs, in kind of reducing the admin workload of doctors. So on the other hand, there's a push, for example, for doctors to be given wider responsibilities, more responsibilities beyond just pen pushing and clerking and admin work, um, because you know, that is not their forte. That's not what they were trained to do. So there's kind of two opposing discourses at the moment uh, with a view to AI within the NHS, and then the private sector. That's a you know whole other debate. There's a whole uh, other kind of um, connotations of AI. Um, you know, AI software being used for di- uh, analyzing X-rays, uh, being used to look at big data. In the public health field as well, the use of AI to kind of analyze data and work out trends on a larger uh, majority of the population and therefore define and dictate public health policies, that's another discourse as well. Definitely. And, you know, as it's probably widely regarded that, you know, it's uh, AI is more of a, it's in the beginning stages, so it's uh, early stages yet. But during the course, uh, the course of your studies, have you come across any AI-based tools or technologies that have had any notable impact already? on your medical education or, you know, clinical training? So there's the more general ones like ChatGPT, Claude AI, and those kind of LLMs that we're aware of. Um, there's recently, there's uh, something called uh, Medibody uh, that was released, and I believe uh, that was to help medical students with their revision. So what it does is it's a question bank and a question that medical students to, uh, you, know, you know, question their knowledge and improve their knowledge base. Um, we have already established companies such as QuezMed, uh, past meds, zero to finals, pulse notes, these kind of common websites and companies that most medical students in the UK will be aware of. But what it does is it takes uh, kind of revision, that revision material, and analyzes how well you do in certain topics and certain areas, and uses AI algorithm to personalize your revision uh, timetable for you, your revision schedule for you. And so in that sense, it's useful as a revision tool, because it means that you're focusing on the, those areas you are the weakest. And as a person, you might not be aware of in fact, you might have a tendency to go for the easy questions or the easy topics because you know you'll get them right. Whereas using a tool like this, uh, which is an AI algorithm to make sure that 
it really focuses on and identifies those areas which you are the weakest in. But beyond that as well, uh, there is an, a biomedical LLM. I've uh, forgotten the name now, actually. But what it does is uh, it takes uh, kind of a chat GPT's model and a Claude AI's model, a uh, large language model, and it trains it on biomedical data. And so what it does is it enables you to kind of uh, pick up almost diagnosed cases which are given to it, um, patient notes and radiographs and so on and so forth. And so I'm sure on the show you discussed about the type of data that a large language model is trained on is so crucial and so important to its use. And so therefore, training an LLM on biomedical data means that it's way more useful for medical students and doctors and healthcare professionals. And in terms of, um, you know, of course, that's in your studies. And But in terms of, you know, bring benefit to the actual NHS, um, how might it enhance uh, patient care and uh, healthcare services, in your opinion? Well, I've said from the workforce uh, efficiency point of view, it lessens the low admin load on doctors and other healthcare professionals. And so kind of goes some way toward addressing the workforce shortage in the NHS. Um, and, you know, by freeing up time for doctors and health professionals to focus on focal skills. Um, but what on that, uh, the kind of software that I've kind of mentioned already, but uh, being used for diagnosing radiographs, x-rays, that's something that's really exciting that I've seen. Um, and I'm quite excited to see how that, you know, kind of comes across because the research, again, I cannot, I cannot, cannot cite the uh, author, but some early research indicated that it was more accurate in diagnosing uh, chest X-rays and pneumonia and lung cancer, I believe it was, on chest X-rays than the doctors. Um, and so that kind of could decrease the rate of uh, the mortality rate and kind of morbidity rate in the NHS. Mm. As well, the public health element, um, I kind of mentioned that briefly, but essentially AI means that you can analyze millions of data sources and data points at the same time. And so that means that certain trends which even very experienced demographers can identify within the public health realm, AI can pick up those trends and, for example, say that in this certain area of this uh, region or in this country, this uh, problem is more prominent and therefore these treatments have worked in the past and these are more likely to work in the future as well. Uh, so, for example, recommending a certain treatment for you know, pneumonia or bacterial infection rather than one um, and that is evidence-based and evidence-backed and that's why it's so useful. And so the data analysis side of it, the public health policy side of it, I think, uh, AI has a big role as well in, in healthcare. Right. So how do you see AI potentially changing the roles and responsibilities of healthcare practitioners? Like, How, how do you think that it's going to change the actual day-to-day job of a doctor? Well, I've touched upon this briefly already, but really I think there's going to be a massive need for doctors to become more specialized in their clinical expertise, mm. and also become good data scientists. The reason being is that once you have the integration of AI within healthcare, you need people that are able to efficiently and accurately read that data as well. And give and that so data to the system too, yeah. Yes, sorry, say again? Yeah, as in like feed that data in, and, and you need uh, professionals for that, as you mentioned. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because we always talk about data and how accurate data is, we never talk about the people interpreting data are humans like ourselves. Mm. If they don't know how to read that data, then no matter how much AI simplifies that, or if they don't know how to input that data, like you said, if they're putting in the right, wrong types of data or in the wrong way, then that information, that knowledge just becomes quite harmful because it can identify wrong trends and wrong outcomes. So certainly they'll become have, have to become well-versed in, in AI. In fact, we might even see the rise of uh, consultants um, AI consultants and tech consultants in the NHS. Hmm. There's been a recent uh, McKinsey graduate scheme to recruit consultants for the NHS 
amongst medical students. And so you might find that there's more technology consultants being drafted in by the NHS, by the management, in order to identify areas of weakness and improve and kind of, you know, address all the men- issues that I mentioned already. Yeah. Um, and even address the basic issue of how can we incorporate AI effectively yeah. into the NHS. Perfect. Thank you, Takrim. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, Jazakla. Uh, but that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for your time. No worries. Thank you very Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call. Uh, don't forget, you can catch up on all our uh, programs on www.voiceofislam.co.uk as well as on SoundCloud. I think coming towards the end, um, I, I, you know, it feels like there is so much potential and there's so much benefit of AI in the medical sector as well as other sectors. Um, and uh, it's it looks you know really exciting uh, going in the future but of course keeping that in mind we also have to be mindful of the challenges that we are going to face yeah it's like the um, worldwide leader of the amdia muslim community mentioned that yes ai is going to help but we need to be double checking yeah. we cannot be fully reliant on it All right, you're listening to Voice of Islam this is the drive time show join us after the news as we bring you the second topic You're listening to the Voice of Islam radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. <coughs> Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the Drive Time show here on Voice of Islam radio station. Uh now in this hour we're going to talk about something quite different. Uh we're going to focus uh, our discussion around uh Prophet Moses. Uh, so we're going to look back a little bit in history. Uh, prophet Moses, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was a prophet of God who was sent uh, to the Israelites. And um, he was sent with uh, guidance from God Almighty. And uh, as Muslims, we believe is one of our fundamental beliefs in Islam that you have to believe in the truthfulness of uh all prophets and scriptures sent by god so as muslims you know you often get that question that do you or you believe in muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam yes we do believe in muhammad mm. sallallahu alaihi wasallam but we also as muslims believe in all prophets we believe and respect prophet moses we believe and respect prophet jesus we believe and respect prophet adam abraham uh jonah all prophets sent by god and we respect them and i think that is quite unique to islam Uh, and as a muslim you have that advantage uh, you know that you uh, accept because they're all prophets sent by allah the almighty so today we're going to talk about prophet moses uh, allah the almighty who uh, sent guidance for mankind uh, since the beginning of time since he uh, established uh, humans on the earth um, he has this uh, this this uh, this sunnah this uh, practice that he sends prophets to guide mankind in the holy quran in chapter 10 verse 48 we read uh, and for every people there is a messenger and one of the articles of faith in islam as i mentioned is the belief in all the prophets of god um prophet moses uh, may allah's blessings uh, be on him uh, was an honored prophet of god who um on whom the book of torah was revealed and i think 
is a verse of the Holy Quran, isn't it, that explains that وَكَلِّمُ Musa taklima, something like that. I don't want to misquote it, but what it says is that Allah the Almighty uh, had a lot of conversations with Prophet Moses and a lot of those conversations we find in the Holy Quran as well documented. So Prophet Moses uh, was a very significant prophet in terms that he, the, the law that he brought, the Sharia, the uh, the Torah and the law that he brought then continued for, for, for a long time and different prophets came after him uh, for the Israelites, you know, reviving that teaching as well. Yes. So, um, if we look at uh, another chapter of the Holy Quran, chapter 17, verse 3, where Allah the Almighty says, Allah the Almighty states in the Holy Quran and we gave Moses the book and we made it a guidance for the children of Israel, saying, Take no guardian besides me. Prophet Moses is held, obviously, very high esteem by the followers of three major religions of the world, including Judaism, uh, Islam, and Christianity. Prophet Moses was sent as a prophet of God towards the people of Israel, as you mentioned. And according to the Bible, the descendants of Prophet Jacob had lived in Egypt for more than 450 years and grew into a nation of Israel. Prophet Moses was of his, uh, Israelite descent at the time. The rulers of Egypt, um, the country in which Prophet Moses was born, were afraid of the possible growth and might of the children of Israel. They were afraid of uh, somebody who would come to uh, free them from the shackles of slavery that they were in at that time by the Egyptians. So due to their fear of the growth and the success um, and release of the uh, people of Israel, they actually um, were uh, trying to suppress them and they were trying to, uh, you know, even uh, kill their uh, children as well. Uh, but let's look at the uh, birth of Prophet Moses. I think we can start with that and then we can go into, you know, the rest of the historical uh, incidents. Yeah. So God Almighty, you know, states in the Holy Quran that verily we have sent you a messenger who is a witness over you even as we sent a messenger to Pharaoh. The Pharaoh of the time ordered the Hebrew midwives that if a son be born, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then let her live. That's in Exodus. In the Bible, it is recorded that the Hebrew midwives, uh, due to the fear of God, did not do so as they were commanded, uh, did not do as they were commanded by Pharaoh. So the Pharaoh proclaimed that every son that is born, ye shall cast into the river and every daughter he shall save alive. Exodus again. This was a critical time in the history of the Israelites when Prophet Moses was born in the reign of Ramesses II. His mother hid him for some time and then built a vessel to cast his son into the river, to cast her son into the river. This incident is mentioned in both the Bible and the Holy Quran. It says in the Holy Quran, And we revealed to the mother of Moses, saying, Suckle him, and when thou fearest for him, then cast him into the river and fear not, nor grieve, for we shall restore him to thee and make him one of the messengers. That's chapter 28, um, verse 8. Yeah, and I think if we pause here for a second and just think about the whole story at that time, uh, the Israelites in Egypt were so suppressed and so per much persecuted by the pharaohs, they were obviously being used as slaves. To, to for a daily basis they did have very little rights 
they were uh, you know constantly tortured and their children were killed we find it in the holy quran as well mention of that and especially this that any any male offspring would be killed because the pharaohs came to know that there is prophecies that somebody will come in amongst the israelites who will really you know release them who will who will free them and they did not want that to happen so such were the evil ways that they you know um ordered to kill uh the male babies um at that time and this is the beautiful ways that allah the almighty you know uh go about and allah the almighty creates that whatever these evil people decided to do against the israelites at that time allah the almighty had another plan so you know when prophet moses was uh you know uh put you know into the basket or really you know put into the river uh, you know this was <coughs> revealed to to prophet moses mother as well by allah the almighty that you should do this and allah the almighty his plan was so so amazing and beautiful that that child that was to be uh, the one to release the israelites from the shackles of pharaoh actually ended up growing up in the very Pharaoh's house idea. of pharaoh right yeah. so we 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 know that uh, that the wife of pharaoh who again was a very pious uh, lady um the holy quran has actually mentioned that you know for the believers there are two um two role models and uh, in that it's uh, ibn maryam uh, sorry hazrat uh, maryam um uh, mary uh, mother of jesus mother of jesus and the other is the wife of pharaoh uh, asia so them as as a as a role model for believers to look up to um when we ponder over it it's not just about their personality but it's about what they did right <clears throat> what did they do so mary uh, mother of jesus has a maryam she went through so much persecution so much slander from the jews at that time accusing her of many bad things ill uh, spoken things and she remained steadfast and her belief in god almighty was so strong and similarly uh, you know the wife of pharaoh also had to go through so much uh, pressure you know uh but she did what allah the almighty had revealed her to do to look after prophet moses and uh, give him an upbringing uh there so i think these two things people don't really dwell into the background of like what is it that is an example for us as believers is that we also in our every aspect of life should should look at these two characteristics like the 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 the, the practice of hazrat uh, maryam um mary how she was steadfast and how steadfast you know the wife of pharaoh was was for for a believer that is a very very important part yeah and uh, i i feel like um i was having this conversation the other day actually where um when you look at these types of examples that you get i think that um it's very okay it's not easy but i think the simplest step is to just believe in something right mm. to to believe in in teachings that you've been taught but i think that where you evolve in your belief um and your relationship with god and your experience of religion is when you move from belief to conviction and i think that when you move from belief to conviction one tool for that is to see examples like this mm. to see that they were both 
they had so much conviction regardless of what the the their circumstances are it's very easy to go with the crowd right like when when people are saying something it's agreeing and be like yeah 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 you know so very easy to do but to have conviction and then it's also sometimes in some cases it's easy to oppose and be like oh, i don't like that or everybody likes that but i don't like that but what i think is really key and with when it comes to conviction is that it's staying steadfast in your beliefs not letting your external mm. environment impact the way Pressure, you yes. yeah the way you act right because yeah. ultimately we have no control over yeah. how other people act yeah. right but we have control over how we act in whatever situation and i think that that's where these two people that you mentioned that's are, the analogy really isn't it yeah. like prophet moses uh, and, and his wife um uh, sorry, uh, Pharaoh's wife uh, mm. had to go through so much pressure, and she was up against, mm. you know, an evil force, yeah. right? And she stood up against it, and yeah. she was able to withstand that pressure and look after Mo- Moses, right? Yeah. The same way, you know, we also face external pressures. We f- face evil forces, yeah. Shaitan as well, yeah. that tries to influence our s- spirituality. So w- that is also a challenge and, and something to learn from, as you mentioned that yeah. uh, this, this example has been given in the Holy Quran. And it's in chapter 28 as well where it says, and Pharaoh's wife said, he will be a joy of the eye for me and for thee. Kill him not. Happily he will be useful to us or we may adopt him as a son. And they perceived not the consequences thereof. Again, that's in chapter 28 verse 10. Yeah. Um, again, it just shows it's it's written in the ground. You know, she was the one that basically said, "Let's adopt him." Yeah. And uh, part of God's plan, you so know. So yeah, part, part of God's plan. Allah Taala obviously put her here uh, in her as well that this is for a bigger cause. Mm. Fahim, if we look at his missions and signs, uh, let's let's have a look at that. Yeah. So Allah Almighty further states on the Holy Quran in in chapter twenty-eight, verse fifteen. And when he reached his age of full strength and attained maturity, we gave him wisdom and knowledge, and thus do we reward those who do good. So when Prophet Moses acquired the knowledge and the physical strength, um, he was instructed by God Almighty to liberate the children of Israel out of the misery to which they were subjected to by the Pharaoh. The Israelites had lost their freedom, but God fulfilled his promise by raising Prophet Moses to free them from the oppression of the tyrannical pharaohs. Prophet Moses had help from his brother Aaron to deliver the message of God to the children of Israel who readily accepted the message. Um, It is mentioned in the Holy Quran that Prophet Moses prayed to Allah the Almighty. Moses said, My Lord, open out for me my breast and ease for me my task and loose the knot of my tongue that they may understand my speech and grant me a helper from my family, Aaron, my brother. Increase my strength with him and make him share my task that we may glorify thee much and remember thee much. Mm. And that's in the Holy Quran, chapter 20, verse 26 to 35. So again, it shows the part of history where where the Israelites were uh, being persecuted. They were under intense, uh, you know, uh, pressure and, uh, you know, in an environment where they were being constantly oppressed and uh, tortured and also killed. And at that time, obviously, when Prophet Moses, may peace and blessings to Allah be upon him, when he he grew up uh, slowly, steadily, and he became... Uh, an adult and 
uh, uh, immature, uh, yeah. uh, matured, and and you came to an age where normally where Allah the Almighty sends His revelation because mm. you know there is a certain age normally where Allah the Almighty then uh, puts the responsibility on the Prophet that now, now it's your job. Now you're yeah. ready. Now you go and preach. You go and deliver my message, and you can just imagine the weight on his shoulders mm-hmm. against the Pharaoh to go and talk talk to Pharaoh. And again, it's mentioned in the Holy Quran as well, the whole conversation that he mm-hmm. goes to mm-hmm. Pharaoh and he says that, you know, this is, you, you're doing wrong, you're worshipping, idol worshipping, this is not, there's one God. <coughs> so that like is challenging a system which is so established, which mm-hmm. has so much power. But he, as uh, he and his brother goes up and, and, and challenges that system. It's so brave, right? It's so brave. But that bravery comes from Allah the Almighty mm-hmm. because the conviction that Allah the Almighty is the one who is stronger and has the power over all of these yep. insignificant pharaohs and, you know, uh, the pharaohs, they, they, they used to believe that they were God, basically. Yeah. So they, they said, you know, we can, we can bring about death and we can bring about life. You know, who, who, who's your God? Yeah. But then obviously, as history shows, yeah. Allah Ta'ala showed them, you know, who, who is God. So um, this this prayer, as you mentioned, uh, the Prophet Moses, you know, he used to stammer a little bit yes. as well yeah. when he. Um, That's why there's the mention of and loose the knot of my yes, tongue. Yes, right? yes, yeah. uh, that and also because of the, the the gravity of of this this mission that yeah. Allah the Almighty had given him. It's not a small mission to yeah. go to Pharaoh and say, you know, you're wrong and you yeah. need to release. Uh, my people yeah. and you need to worship one God you know, it's, it's not a small thing It's a, yeah. you need a lot of uh, confidence and courage and m- you know most of all the backing of Allah the Almighty so he prayed that you know oh Allah open for me my chest my breast and ease for me my task ease for me my task because this was a very very uh, difficult task well it wasn't like today right like where mm. you know you could express yourself online you can there's freedom of speech, all these types of things like that was in a very different very time different 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 time yes and this prayer is relevant to us now as yep. well that uh, you know the holy prophet used this prayer we were taught to pray this prayer as well because all these prayers in the holy quran are not just to give us you know uh, a story of what happened in the past it's not a story time it's actually for us to use that because we will also be at some point of our life in very you know small uh, comparison to these things but we will also find difficulties we will mm. also up to challenges we will also be up to people who will try to take us away from God Almighty so we should always use these prayers to give us strength and seek Allah's help because at the end of the day you do need Allah the Almighty to be uh, with you in order to succeed um, we we will continue the story of Prophet Moses, uh, but let's take a few, uh, listen to a few different uh, aspects to this as well. Let's listen to one clip where the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mizar Tahir Ahmad, um, was answering a question about the stammering of Prophet Moses, as we mentioned that you mentioned in the prayer that he said, you know, um, lose the knot of my tongue. So let's have a listen to what the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community uh, said explaining this. Well, I want to ask a question about Prophet Moses, peace be upon him, and the question is uh, neuropsychological in nature. Now, quoting uh, from the Bible, uh, Exodus uh, chapter 4 and verse 10, mm-hmm. uh, 
And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech, and of a slow tongue. Unquote. Now, the parallel version in the Holy Quran is Rabbeshrali Sadri, Vajasrali Amri, Walur Utalifilisani, Yafkabukoli. O my Lord, expand for me my breast and make my task easy for me, and lose the knot in my tongue so that they may understand my speech. Now, large number of books have been written on both sides of the Atlantic by the clinical psychologists who practice as speech therapists. And on the premise of this uh, biblical quotation, they have postulated that Prophet Moses was a stammerer. And uh, now, does this verse, Wal Utatafilisani, connote stammering? And uh, now these authors have mentioned... Not so only this verse, this has been mentioned in other places in the Holy Quran to imply that Hazrat Musa salam stammered and lisped a little bit. Actually, there is no doubt about it. So he did stammer? Yes. So that's what I wanted. And also, it is a prophecy of Hazrat Sallallahu Alaihi that uh, the Imam Mahdi would stammer as well. So this is why Hazrat Musim also stammered a little bit, yeah. though not that much pronounced. Actually, these authors have said so not to disparage or to devalue Prophet Moses, just to boost the self-esteem and, and the morale of the stammerers. By quoting Churchill, he was a stammerer. And then Desmothenes, who was a great uh, Greek orator who stammered very badly in his childhood. So that is what they had in mind to quote. You know, Moses. there the Holy Quran mentions it to indicate that Allah's choice is always the true right choice and the best choice. You know what uh, uh, Hazrat Moses والسلام, requested from Allah after he was made a prophet was that he could not express himself well. It was rather difficult for him, among other things. So kindly, instead of me, raise my brother as prophet. So Allah raised his brother also into a prophet, raised him as a prophet, to help him, to assist him. But when they went to the Pharaoh's court, his brother did not utter a single word. All that was said throughout was said by Hazrat Musa himself. The courageous man that he was, at the heat of the moment, the type of character which was required to to present the case of God, I mean the case of religion to Moses, to Pharaoh, required a person like Moses. And uh, Hazrat Harun totally disappears into, you know, almost nothingness. You don't even think of it. Well, I know millions of people read of the Holy Quran and don't never take note of this fact that there is no Harun mentioned when the debate comes and when the case is for debated between Moses and, and Pharaoh. Why? That is the point why he is mentioned as stammerer. That on this plea, otherwise many other prophets may have some small personal defects, not defects but short human shortcomings. Those are not mentioned by the Holy Quran or other books. When something is mentioned, it must have some significance. And here, as I understand, the significance is that ultimately it was Allah's choice which has proved to be correct. Although Allah was so benign and beneficent and considerate that He heard the prayer of Hazrat Moses, but it was really not required. It was unnecessary. Also, it proves the point that prophethood is so much a favor that sometimes it is just shown as favor. Because had it been really required, Moses, Moses alone should have been made the prophet and Allah should have declined to accept the, that request. But He did. So he became a prophet and when he was left alone to discharge the responsibilities of prophecies, 
prophecy he failed so both these aspects must be brought into focus and then you understand truly how allah makes his choices in the on the one hand when he when he when they appear before moses before pharaoh it is only moses who does the work and when Moses goes to meet Allah as it is said whatever you mean by it then in his absence a disturbance is created which cannot be brought under control by Hazrat Harun in his absence do you see the point yes. very interesting point very very interesting point i think again goes back to show that you know when the stammering was mentioned it, it was not just to mention that it was a human weakness of Hazrat Musa alayhi salam he had an issue yeah. like there is no just for the sake of mentioning not it not to highlight some uh, yeah, sort of fault or yeah, something yeah it's actually to prove that Allah Ta'ala chose him and when at the time when they both so Allah Ta'ala accepted Prophet Moses request as well to make Aaron a prophet but when they both went to Moses uh, to uh, to Pharaoh sorry Hazrat Musa Alayhisalam Moses was the one who spoke Moses was the one yeah. who you know did all of that and Allah the Almighty knew that he was the one chosen for that purpose Uh, so it shows that if Allah Taala chooses a prophet, the whole environment people might reject them and think, you know, this is not the right person. But Allah, Allah the Almighty knows who is the right person for that job. Definitely, and I think that it just shows that God is the best of planners. That, mm-hmm. um, and I, I feel like it, it, it's highlighted to show that maybe on the outside, uh, like maybe to us, it may feel like um, that uh, God forbid the uh, the Prophet Moses was not the right person. That's where, like, you know, that simple fact of, of the stammer, like, mm. you know, when you're going to go and project your voice, you want you want to come at a, a position of strength. That you may think, oh, okay, that he wasn't the right, but God knows best, mm. and that in that situation, God knew that Prophet Moses would would be the one who will be clear um, and and you know get the point across yeah. in the best of manners. And you know, this is not a. This is not a rejection from the prophets. If Allah the Almighty has told them to do something, it's like, no, I don't want to do this. You God forbid, that never happens yeah. because prophets are chosen. They're yeah. they're chosen people. So they, Allah the Almighty knows that these these people are my people, and it's a comparison to the holy prophets, Allahu Alaihi Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings peace Allah be upon him as well. You said like, if you look at when the first revelation was revealed on the prophet in in the cave of Fira. When the angel came to him and said, "Iqra bismi Rabbika Allahi," that recite with the name of Allah, he said, "I, I don't, I don't know, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how to to read or write." He he didn't, he didn't know how to read and write, and but Allah the Almighty, you know, taught him that and that confidence, that revelation when it came. Then he started right. Then he started preaching and he got the you know everything that Allah the Almighty put into him: confidence, knowledge, wisdom, the word of God. That was the one that made. The difference, um, and similarly, Hazrat Musa Alaihissalam as well, and with all prophets, and also a lot of people who have allegations again the, against Hazrat Masih Muhammad Alaihissalam, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. He has himself said that he actually wanted to be in seclusion. He didn't want people around him. Yeah. He he wanted to. He used to be in the mosque. He used to pray, and uh, that's what he wanted. He didn't want the li- limelight. Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 wanted to live his life, the rest of his life, like that, in prayers and just seclusion and reading. But Allah the Almighty chose him that no, you are my prophet, and you have to go and bring, you know, uh, deliver the message of Islam uh, and bring people back towards Islam. So people oppose because people say why why he came from Qadian, why he was not from Saudi Arabia, why he did not come in a Muslim mm-hmm. country. 
Well, Allah the Almighty knows who, which, where that person would come. Allah the Almighty obviously through prophecies predicted as well, but Allah the Almighty knows when is the right time and who is the right person. And it is not for people to question because Allah is the best of planners. Yeah, and, I, uh, and so another conversation I was having the other day is that to, to really truly understand God, you need to understand God's attributes, right? Mm. And it's like you said that um, God is all knowledgeable. And I think that sometimes when we when we take these attributes, we don't look at them in the infiniteness of them. Mm. Um, that like to be the all knowledgeable, to yeah. have knowledge of all of the universe, infinity times infinity and beyond, right? I think that when you think about that, like there's no need to question it in the sense that yeah. you, if you truly believe that you will see that there is wisdom that you cannot foresee because you do not have anywhere near the knowledge that God has and yeah I, th- I think that it, this it, when you read stories like this when you when you when you hear ab- about the evidence that you see in the Quran when you see prophets like fulfill these things you really truly I don't know I'm always in awe of every time I think that it's it, it's anytime you can God forbid for lack of a better word but like not be able to understand the full extent of God's knowledge that you you are given examples to to remind you that actually it's so infinite and it's so yeah. it's not like you know how people say three that person's three steps ahead of you or whatever like there's that saying right it with God it's like infin, infinite infinite in, yes. it's it's not it's yeah. not ahead because we're not in that same yeah we're not league, in the race right yeah. we're not in yeah. that race yeah. so yeah. it's it's like beyond that and I think yeah. that it's these things like this that um really just showing me and it's because it's beyond time right like it's not we're not talking about last year we're mm. not talking about 20 years ago we're talking about a very very long time yeah. ago so um yeah so just, that's uh, why when when it comes to the truthfulness of prophets it's futile it's irrelevant as you mentioned to be asking these kind of questions that why him yeah and why there why not our people <laughs> that is the kabul that is arrogance rather what allah the almighty has said in the holy quran that we should look for is the need Right, we should look for the need of the hour. We should look at the signs. Are the signs being fulfilled? Is Allah the Almighty backing this person? Or is His word becoming the truth? When it is, then we know that this is a prophet. And this is the allegation that today's uh, non uh, Ahmadi Muslims have against the promised Messiah that they they do not want to uh, want to believe in Him because. Well, no, we don't want to believe in Mirza because yeah. you know we we don't think he's a, he, he qualifies. Yeah. But who are you to say you exactly. should? And they would not. They would even admit that we we don't want to read his books. Yeah. You know, we don't want to even read his book cover to cover. But why are you not going to do that if a prophet is being sent that you're rejecting mm. without you know uh, with sincerity without uh, bias, trying to find out whether this person you know is true or not. Yeah, and uh, the Prophet Society often says in his books that um, if anyone who is reading this with an open heart, right, will see the truth, right? And I think that that's where it's it's so important that, and I and I genuinely believe like that a lot of uh, prophets, of, of, if all of them, have been chosen for their openness, their uh, their open hearts, mm. that they just had that pure love for God and understanding that this you know material world around them isn't isn't just what it is the be all and end all and I think that yeah that that, that just makes me think about this even more mm. okay so we have now gone a little bit uh, off topic not yes. off topic well, but we've yeah. gone 
Um, let's go back to the history now, Usman. Um, yeah. If I can ask you to just take us back to so we what we have covered is that Prophet Moses and Prophet Aaron uh, has been assigned by Allah the Almighty to now uh, when they have reached the age of maturity, Allah the Almighty has given them uh, the mission that oh. now you should go and uh, tell Pharaoh that uh, you know uh, you've released uh, the Israelites and that Prophet. Uh, that uh, you're a prophet of God and uh, Allah is go- God is one. So let's go to that. Th- yeah. Then what happens? You know how you mentioned before as well that, you know, when they went, it mm. was actually Moses that spoke yeah. when they went before Pharaoh. So what happened is, you know, he demanded the freedom of the children of Israel um, and he showed them signs and miracles. But despite witnessing them, um, he treated them as, you know, forms of sorcery. And he challenged Moses to a duel uh, with the great magicians of Egypt that, he could, that were there at the time. And, you know, the Quran states in regard to this as well, that, you know, in chapter 17, verse 102, And of a truth, we gave Moses nine manifest signs. So ask then the children of Israel, when he came to them, Pharaoh said to him, I do think thee, O Moses, to be a victim of deception. You know, all the great magicians, they came and they tried what, what they could, but they were all overwhelmed with, the, you know, the miracles of God. Of course, you know, God's power is infinite as was alluded to before as well. And what happened is they all actually submitted to the one God. And rather than, you know, they'd all gathered for the reward from Moses, but they were like, now we're going to turn towards God Almighty and seek God's pleasure instead, as that's a greater reward. And you know, the whole incident is mentioned in the Quran as well, in chapter 17, you know, um, again it says, he, uh, regarding Moses, said, Thou knowest well that none has sent down these signs but the Lord of the heavens and the earth as so many evidences and I certainly think O Pharaoh to be and I certainly think thee O Pharaoh to be a ruined man you know Pharaoh then ordered the crucifixion and he said that you know cut their hands and feet from opposite sides uh, as a punishment for accepting the message of God yeah, and um, so th- this incident um, of, of Max Exodus, um, so the incident of Max Exodus, Exodus uh, of the children of Israel uh, with Prophet Moses is mentioned in both the Bible and the Holy Quran. Uh, Prophet Moses actually took the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by night and crossed the Red Sea as commanded by God while being pursued by the Pharaoh and his army. The tide's course changed as the pharaoh ex- attempted to overtake them and pharaoh and his army were drowned. This was a miracle of God in which he showed for his servant and messenger prophet Moses. I think one thing here as well is, you know, the people at the time, uh, one thing, you know, we need to bear in mind is the people of Moses' people, they were, they'd been used to, you know, a life of slavery. Mm. So, so they, in their minds, they were sort of, they didn't have the same thinking that you know my you might be thinking of it now why didn't they fight back or why wasn't there anything else yeah. because you know for generations they'd been they'd been slaves and that's yeah. all they knew yeah. so their mindset had, had become a, you know obedient yeah, and, and it's it's natural i mean it, it's natural because it takes time to to change that mindset to to have that bravery to stand up because you you for 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 decades and decades you were just used to being a very very low class so then then it's it's difficult to to uh, to fight for your rights and have that confidence, but that obviously took time. I think just going back to the two magicians that were present, uh, were were present when uh, Pharaoh challenged 
And at that time, this is very, very interesting. It's a whole different subject, but this is very, very interesting because these two magicians were one of the best, if not the best in the world. And, you know, there, there's a concept of uh, hypnosis or, or, or this, this, uh, this way of captivating and kind of engaging uh, the people so that they are fully immersed in, in what they were showing. So they knew it. They knew that they were the best. And when Prophet Moses was there, it is also mentioned in the Holy Quran that some some effect was on 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 everybody, including Prophet Moses, who who Allah the Almighty actually revealed to him that you should cast your 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 asa, you should cast your 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 what do you call it in English? Your stick. Your stick, yes. Yeah. That you should and. You know where people think, oh, it became became a snake. There were yeah, two yeah. snakes, and you know how they show it in movies. That's yeah. not really what it is. It is where hypnosis is that it show, you know, with the power of hypnosis, hypnosis, you're able to, to kind of show an illusion. You're able yeah. to show something to people which which is not real, right? And they were so good at it that they did this. But Allah the Almighty, you know, to break that, Allah the Almighty told Hazrat Musa Islam to throw his 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 stick, which disrupted the whole thing and they the magicians knew that they were so good that nobody's able to break them down and they knew that if if when they saw the Hazrat Musa Islam, Prophet Moses did this they full, they f- accepted him because they said nobody's able to break our spell hmm. but this person did then he must be from God so and they were punished for that as well it's mentioned that you know Prophet Moses actually quite brutally uh, sorry Prophet not pro- Prophet Moses sorry Pharaoh, Pharaoh. quite brutally then uh, slaughtered them yes yeah. yes mm-hmm. Because of that, but they they did not uh, waver in their belief in Moses and in uh, Allah the Almighty, the God of Moses, because they knew this. Um, however, let's go to our um, guest. Um, we have with us uh, Imam Ihtisham, who is a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, joining us all the way from Ivory Coast. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, and welcome to the Drive Time oh. Show. Jazakallah for joining. Uh, what's the time there right now? Is uh, we hope we're not calling you too late. Uh, we have we have uh, four forty in in the evening. Four forty. Okay, so you're earlier than us. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much for joining us. First of all, uh, for taking our time. Now, we're talking about Hazrat uh, Musa Islam, Prophet Moses, uh, for our English audience. And the parting of the Red Sea. Um, we were talking about the historical incidents. There's a lot to talk about, but we wanted to talk to you about the uh, the, the 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 incident of when the Prophet Moses was able to take uh, the Israelites uh, out of uh, Pharaoh's uh, shackles and the parting of the Red Sea. What uh, what is the context of that? Uh, you know, incident. Uh, how did Hazrat Musa Islam, Prophet Moses, um, you know, liberate uh, his people? What was the conversation with Prophet uh, between Prophet Moses Islam and Pharaoh? And then what happened then when they left? Because there's a lot of misconceptions. People uh, say that you know the 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 sea just you know it was uh, just suddenly parted and it was huge walls on both sides of water so please do 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 take your time of course but just explain it to our listeners so they can understand what really happened surely i will try to uh, make it understand to everyone at a level that they can uh, have a look at the history as well and so that we can clear all the misconceptions that exist 
because actually uh, when we look at the role what uh, prophet guzes uh, peace be upon him he played actually uh, whenever islam covers the history uh, it is the moral of a prophet that is uh, discussed and uh, we need to look at the situation what the israelites were in actually they were living in bondage in egypt and the king had subjected them to very hard and difficult conditions so the role that uh, prophet moses is upon him he played uh, even if the uh, all the signs that was showed and the, the the incident of sorcery or whatever that is mentioned even bible that uh, touches this and the holy quran also mentioned it the thing is to show that the role what prophet moses is upon him had to play it was not only just to uh, get them uh, out of the bad bondage but to change their situation as well so as moses peace be upon him advanced toward maturity his observation of daily life of people of egypt became intense so he was uh, clearly observing the cruel treatment uh, meted out to the israelites and the whole atmosphere of egypt as well so uh, Mo- moses when secretly departed from the home to uh, some direction praying and moving watchfully uh, he saw in the outskirts of median uh, so with with that in mind um maybe we can discuss more of the 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 key challenges that prophet moses and the israelites faced during their journey to the promised land uh hello you can uh, li- listen to me yes we can hear you yeah yes okay so, so, so uh, we'll continue that god even even he heard their prayers and gave them final orders for the departure from egypt so as it is mentioned uh take, he said take away my servants by night and strike for them a dire path th- uh, through the sea thou wilt not be afraid of being overtaken nor wilt thou have any other fear so bible mentions the crossing of the sea in the following word the bible says and moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all the night and uh, made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the children of israel and the children of israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left and the egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea and the lord said unto moses stretch out thine hand over the sea and moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its strength and the waters returned and covered the sheriff and the horsemen and all the hosts of pharaoh that came into the sea after them there remained not so much one of them this is mentioned in exodus chapter 14 verses uh, 21 to 28 now uh, when we see uh, what we find in the holy quran the holy quran tells us and remember the time when we divided the sea for you 
and saved you and drowned Pharaoh's people while you looked on. Chapter 2, verse uh, 51. So uh, here's the study of what we find in the Bible and the uh, Holy Ghost. We right. can find that Moses peace upon him and uh, Aaron peace upon him and led the Israelites. Uh, so, yeah, Imam uh, Mitesham, are you still there with us? Hello? I think we might have lost him there. Um, so, so yeah, just, just coming back to what's being said is that um, when, when then, um, this conversation had already happened hmm. and Prophet Moses uh, then took away the Israelites uh, and by the command of Allah they were told to to, to flee and, and go to a specific place the parting of the sea I was just going to ask yeah. a question about this um, so yeah I think that uh, it's very dramatized and explained a lot of the times where um, a stick was struck into the uh, earth and then the sea parted like I think there's been a lot of vis- visualizations it's often referred to in, in different ways um, could either of you like explain that in in a bit better terms of like how that um, you know like it wasn't a, a striking of the, of the no of no the, of course yeah. not because we have to remember that Allah the Almighty you know works in in ways that he 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 has set out like yeah. he, his laws of nature you know if we believe that you know uh, a person is 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 going up to the sky physically mm. with the physical stare yeah. right or the sea parting like this yeah yeah it's 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 against the law of allah's nature allah the almighty yeah. has mentioned that this is uh, he doesn't work against he, the laws that he has created because the problem with that is that that would be against the owner of Allah the Almighty. That means Allah the Almighty designed a system, mm-hmm. designed a law of nature, but it wasn't good enough to show miracles. So he has to, you know, override it yeah. and, and sh- you know, uh, show some special miracle yeah. which is not really natural. Yeah. You know, it shows that it's a bad planning and Nauzubillah, God forbid, Allah the Almighty is the best of planners. He would never do that and it's an insult to God Almighty to even suggest that. This is why, for example, when non Ahmadi Muslim said that Jesus will come physically down from heaven. That goes against the law of nature, yeah. you know. It's not possible for Jesus Islam, to be alive in the heaven mm. 2,000 years and then he's coming down. It's against the law of nature. Allah the Almighty has not created the world like this. Mm. You know? So one thing about prophecies <coughs> is, you know, you have to see that if they were that plain and obvious, there mm. would be no sort of reward in, you know, in, in believing. So if, if, for example, as you mentioned, you know, non-MDs might say, Jesus gonna, uh, you know, Jesus is going to come down, Jesus is going to come down from the sky. If someone was coming down from the sky physically, there'd be no room to object. Yeah, exactly. Mm. There'd be no real test of who's a true believer, yeah. who's not a true believer. And of course, then people will also do shirk. Yeah. People will start worshiping that person. Yeah. In already, you've seen that this just the concept of Jesus being in the in the heaven. Yeah. Th- it's it's a cause of shirk. It's caused people to uh, take Jesus for God. Exactly. You know? yeah. So uh, coming back to our uh, our guest uh, Ihtisham uh, Ahmed Imam Ihtisham from Ivory Coast. Assalamualaikum. Can you hear us? Assalamualaikum. Yes, I can hear you. I'm sorry, we lost you. Uh, just wanted to ask again if you can tell us the parting of the sea when Prophet Moses uh, 
you know went to towards the red sea how did that happen uh, you know uh, did it happen like he put his stick there and then the water just like you know flew to either sides and just you know huge walls on either side of water or was it a different way according to allah taala's nature according to how allah the almighty uh, has created natures this miracle came into place yes exactly uh, the holy quran says that uh, and remember the time when we divided the sea for you and saved you and drowned pharaoh's people when you looked on so uh, as as you said uh, allah the almighty has a nature and he doesn't go against his nature so it was not like this that uh, just because uh, he, he st- uh, struck uh, the, the the water of the sea with his rod and it departed but it was a time as we all know that it, uh, it is connected to uh, the moon when, when we say sonico can you hear us i think we we again i think there's some issue with the line so yeah. um i've recorded as well it might be the connection so yeah. but it was basically uh what what the holy quran says of course is that uh, that these miracles happen mm. within the law of nature allah the almighty doesn't need to create an exception because he knows what what is the best timing right yeah. mm-hmm. so w- at that time as a musa alislam w- w- we know about the tides and we know about you know ebb tide low tide high yeah. tide and in some places it is quite significant it yeah. is quite a lot i mean i live in medway and and in jillingham and and live right to the next to the river right yeah. and uh and it's a, it's a vast uh, river it's yeah. from one side to another you yeah. can see the other side but it's quite a big space in mm. between and sometimes the water recedes Yeah. and there is so much space yeah. in between mm. there's even like you know small islands that pop up that you don't even see when the water comes no. so and when the water comes it comes up quite high as well so mm. the tides do do vary a lot and in other places it's even more right and even with much more force yeah. so the miracle happened in this way and it's been explained by uh uh Khalifa Musisani the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Tafsir Kabir in the commentary of the holy quran that yeah. there was a specific time that when they got there that was planned by allah the almighty that this is the time that moses alayhisalam and his people will cross yeah. the sea or 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 the yeah the sea right and the water had receded right yeah. and sometimes it could also be that because the experts people living there they know when the water recedes when the water will come yeah. back but it could even be that there were some other natural causes such as maybe an earthquake maybe some kind yeah. of tsunami we cannot rule out anything mm. because we don't know we don't have the historic evidence but allah the almighty says that he was the one who who parted the sea that means that allah the almighty did that within his law of nature it could be different things right yeah. but at the time when moses alayhisalam and his people were able to get across that that patch mm. of of uh, of the sea where when they were able to get across it must have been a little bit clear for the the army of pharaoh to see that they could also follow them yeah. so when they followed them allah the almighty then you know uh must have made it, made us change the tide <laughs> in such a way that yeah. it came rushing in and it took them uh, you know and also you have to remember that similar things happened uh, in favor of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as well at the battle of badr for example right mm-hmm. the place that they were uh, they were staying was unfavorable to the muslims 
But yeah. overnight, it rained, and the place where the kuffar, the, the disbelievers came, became so muddy that they, their horses got stuck. Uh, you know, everything yeah. changed for them, right? So Allah the Almighty, using His own law of nature, will change the circumstances in such a way that it becomes favorable for His people. And this is exactly what happened. Yeah. When Pharaoh came in pursuit of uh, Moses, they were already across, yeah. and the water came and... Know, swept away everybody. See, see, I really love your point in the sense that um, when you mentioned about God, uh, the perfect planner, right? God doesn't need to break the laws of nature because God's knowledge is so infinite that it's beyond any sort of sense of time that the world would have created for every single scenario in which, like, the laws of nature would have needed to be, quote unquote, needed to be broken. So it's it's planning to such a extensive degree that we mm. can't even comprehend that there will never be an the need for the laws of nature to be broken because like you said god forbid that it would be that god didn't plan for something for him to have to need to do that, that yeah, Allah the almighty knows from the beginning of the time to end of time what's yeah, going to happen exactly so yeah if laws of nature were needed to be broken for like God's specific intervention then that's technically saying that God's uh, perfect yeah. planning is not perfect not so and this perfect. was this yeah. was nothing short of a miracle mm. of course I mean do you look at the power of Pharaoh that he had and the way Allah the Almighty destroyed them right and and, f- and also Pharaoh he didn't drown at that time he actually believed at that time he admitted he said okay I I believe in the God of Moses, yeah. right? He said, I believe in Allah. But at that time, Allah the Almighty, through revelation to him as well, right? Yeah. Like the revelation, Allah the Almighty revealed to Pharaoh at that time, saying that, now I will not, this is late, you're, you're late, right? Yeah, in, yeah. in believing. But I will save you for the future generations to see and learn so they can understand. And yeah. that as well as, you know, is a sign of the truthfulness of the Prophet yeah. Moses himself and yeah. of the Quran that, you know, it says in the Quran, for example, that, you know, so this day we will save thee in thy body alone, mm. that thou mayest be a sign to those who come after thee, you know, in chapter 10, verse 93. And it's a remarkable fact, you know, and it, again, as I said, it proves the truthfulness that, you know, even after 3000 years, you know, the body of Pharaoh is there and it was, you know, uh, Have you seen how, how how well preserved it is yeah. from the, from from actually exactly, thinking about yeah. the time uh, has which has passed? But Allah the Almighty, I think this is a, this alone is, is like a big sign for, for, for the truthfulness of Islam. I mean, yeah. the Holy Quran, who could have predicted at the time when the Holy Quran was revealed 1400 years ago, when these, 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 uh, these uh, pyramids and, and, and the bodies of Pharaohs were not even discovered, oh. that that this Pharaoh would be mentioned by Allah the Almighty or preserve your body till the end of time so people can see how, you know, uh, the word of Allah well, became. And even in historical data, yeah. you know, it says that, for example, the Exodus is estimated to have taken place around 1230 BC. So that's even before that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just crazy. I mean, it's, it's crazy when you look at it and how the word of Allah the Almighty, how the word yeah. of the Quran uh, becomes manifest. And, and it's... Uh, what is the reason for giving this sign? You know, it's 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 not a story again. We're not talking about story and what happened in yeah. the past. It's actually for the future, right? It's actually yeah. for those people who oppose yeah. the prophets of their time. That similar fate will happen to you if you do not, you know, um, 
if you do not stop opposing the prophets. Yeah. And this is exactly what happened, for example, in Meccans, yeah. when they opposed the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And this is exactly what happened to the opponents of the Promised Messiah. Mm. No, definitely. Just uh, honestly, the the logic that is in Islam, like I feel, just is unrivaled. And I think that you can really, truly be a believer of, of science as well as religion when it comes to Islam and I think that this is one of those really sincere examples of mm. that where a what some people would deem a, an impossible story can be explained through now our knowledge of yeah. science. Yeah. And Prophet Moses obviously when Allah the Almighty uh, you know saved him and his people from Pharaoh and they went on to a different land um uh, Allah the Almighty blessed the Israelites over many, many years with many prophets. Mm. And they were all, you know, this shows that the level uh, Hazrat Musa al-Islam had, you know, Prophet Moses was a low-bearing prophet. There came prophets after him who followed his teachings that mm. Allah the Almighty had given. We haven't even touched upon the 12 commandments and all yeah. of these things. Maybe we could do a whole show on that. Show on but show. we're running out of time. Yeah. Uh, we did ask you, obviously, if there's any uh, comments to uh, give them to us. Join us tomorrow for another live program as well here on Voice of Islam radio station. Don't forget, you can also catch up on all our discussions uh, on Instagram as well. Um, and also would like to thank the producers for today's show. Uh, we have um, uh, producers are Tahmina Tahir, Aisha Tahir and Maya Tuba who have produced today's show. So Jazakallah to them as well. May Allah bless them. Coming up next is the news. Assalamu alaikum.